Today, I, one of the things that you do when you preach is, is preaching is simply proclaiming the good news, right? Are you with me? It's just looking at the text and saying, all right, here's the good news for us today. And typically what I do when I'm preaching is I kind of have this moment where I reveal the good news. It's like this moment where we build up to it a little bit. And I'll share, here's the bad news. Here's the bad things that are going on. Here's the good news. Today, I'm going to tell you the good news right now. I'm going to proclaim the good news right from the beginning because they only gave me 20 minutes today. Here's, here's what we're doing. Prayer is loving attachment with God. That's the good news for today. Prayer is loving attachment with God and to God. Prayer begins with love and it starts with connection to our Father. And so we cannot talk and train about prayer without first talking about our love for the Father and his love for us. Matthew chapter six, verse five, it says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at the street corner so that they may be seen by others. But truly, I say to you, they've already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now remember, Jesus is critiquing the Pharisees here a lot. He's critiquing the rulers of the law. He's critiquing the religious leaders of the day. He's not so much critiquing the people that are sitting in the pews as much as the people like me who are standing up in front of the church every week. And here's what he says. Don't stand up and pray with loud and fancy words. I call it performance prayer. Have you ever been to a performance prayer? Uh, I went to a Christian college. I'm really familiar with this. Right, so at a Christian college, every time there is a graduation or an event or anything, someone is asked to pray, and I really believe they think this is my moment. Right? It's like an M and M. This is my one shot. Right? It's a mom spaghetti. Right? Like this. 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 Uh, they're getting hyped backstage, and and they walk on the stage, and and when they walk out, you notice like they've got a they've got a pamphlet. Right? They're about to pray, but there's something like, why are they carrying up? Why, why are there 17 pages here for that person to pray? Like, it looks heavy as they carry it out there. And at my college, I don't know, when it, whoever got to pray, it was their one shot, it was their one opportunity. And they would stand up there and they would read a prayer. It was like as long as the sermon. I remember during my graduation, the girl next to me said, Oh Lord, please make it stop. That's what she said. She leaned over to me and said, oh, Lord, please make it stop. This, this is what we're talking about here, is, is Jesus is critiquing this model that we have to stand and pray and do these fancy prayers to get noticed for your wisdom, to use big words, to be loud, to get noticed for your discernment or noticed for your ability to talk about the word or, 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 or to, to do, do something that's fancy that makes everybody think, look how smart they are, look how wise they are, look how prophetic they are, look how much they love God, all of those things. Here's what, here's what Jesus says, if you're doing that, you've already received your reward. Your reward is somebody thinks you're great. That's not the reward I want when I pray. I want Jesus. I want the open heaven. I want the kingdom of God. Then he goes on in verse seven and he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Oh Lord, please get this to these college graduation people. Uh, do not be like them, for your father knows before you even ask. I love that. Your father knows before you even ask. Prayer doesn't have to be fancy. 
It doesn't have to be performance. We don't have to stand up in front of all the people and say, oh, Lord. If you notice the people that pray, like the longer the Lord, the more powerful the prayer, right? They're getting, in, they're getting after it when they get into those spaces, right? We don't have to do these kinds of things. It's simple. There is a Father who loves you, who created you, who made you, who knows you, who knows your heart, who knows your mind, who knows your body, who knows your needs, who knows your hurts, who knows your wounds, who knows your brokenness, who knows everything that's going on with you before you bring it to you. He actually knows you better than you know yourself. Like sometimes scripture talks about we pray, but we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know the words, so we pray with groans. Scripture is actually teaching us that sometimes the better way to pray is not standing up and talking, using Bible college words and using big phrases and waving your hands. Sometimes the way to pray is to groan. It's like, mm. The Lord loves the groan prayers, <laughs> right? It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It begins, and, and, and Jesus teaches us how to pray. There, there's two passages in Scripture where we're actually taught and instructed to pray a certain way, and we're going to talk about both of them. Next week, we're going to dive into the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to actually really work through the Lord's Prayer. But the, the Lord's Prayer starts with this, our Like it starts in this place of the most loving, intimate, close relationship that we can think of. A father who loves and is to protect and care and, 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 and give everything for their children. This is where it starts. We start by acknowledging his goodness. We start with love. We begin with connection. And one of my greatest fears about how we train people to pray is that we train in techniques rather than attachment. I don't know about you guys, but when I started being taught how to pray, there was all kinds of acronyms, like P-R-A-Y, praise, adoration, right? There was all these like grids that taught me how to do certain things, like this is where you ask, this is where you make a request, this is where you repent, this is where you ask forgiveness, this is where you, nobody ever taught me this is how you love Jesus. Nobody ever taught me this is the connection that begins to happen. We are hardwired for relationship and attachment. Attachment theory is, 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 is this idea of how young people develop. And, and, and child psychologists would teach that a, that a child, a baby, in their first few months, they're, they're, they're so formed by the look of their mother. You know this. The most formative thing for a child in the first six months of their life is the gaze of their mother. They are formed completely. And this actually, like, they, if, if there is not a loving gaze from the mother to the child, this actually causes developmental issues. So it's this, like, picture of this beautiful connection and attachment between the mother and the child, and the child learns to reflect the gaze of his mother. The child learns how much he's loved by the look of the mother to the child uh, we were at uh, Dave and Buster's last night. It's a very holy place. We were there last night, and I spent way more money than I should have for my kids to play games, and they got their tickets, and they, you know, they were so excited to walk away with a bouncy ball. Uh, but we, we did that last night, and, and we were sitting at eating dinner in there, and there was this cute, cute little girl that caught Claire's attention, and we were in the booth. And you know when little girls, little boys play the booth, like, peekaboo game? This is what's happening. So she noticed Claire. Everybody likes Claire more than me. It, it's all right. And so she noticed my daughter Claire, and she started kind of popping her head up 
over the booth and smiling at Claire and laughing. And, and then Claire would, Claire would make a certain face and the little girl would make the face back. Claire would like hide her eyes and the little girl would hide her eyes. Claire would laugh and the little girl would laugh. Claire would smile and grin and the little girl would smile and grin. There was this kind of back and forth that was happening. Children learn to develop by watching and imitating. They learn who they are. Like, like humans, in our development, the way that we develop and change is by looking and connecting. There's a lot of talk and discussion right now about what this is doing to our teenagers and to the next generation. And if we're going to be honest, probably what it does to us as well. Because what our young people are learning to do is to gaze here instead of to gaze here. And so they're learning, like, this is how I, I like, if you walk over in the youth room, like, one of the rules I want to make is, please, parents, don't send your kids to, to youth group without, with their phones anymore. Like, I don't want them to have their phones. I, I told Meredith and Grant to just start taking them. Like, just be like the mean teacher. I, I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe I'm too harsh. But, but like, I, if you walk through there, there will be 25 kids in there, and 20 of them are looking at their phones. And so are our young people actually not learning to, to interact with each other and not learning to pay attention to each other because they don't know how to look face-to-face -face with people and actually build relationships with real people in real time? Number six, verses 24 through 26, number six is, 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 is this long conversation about a Nazarite vow. I don't have time to talk about a Nazarite vow because I have seven minutes left. But it, what a Nazarite vow is, is it's this holy, set-apart, distinct, you have this like one thing that you're really called to. It's a really difficult calling in life. It's a holy calling. And then in the middle of that, there's this blessing from Aaron. And here's the blessing from Aaron. It's the first way that we're taught to prayer. If you pray, if you look at the early church's artifacts, this prayer is found everywhere. And here's what it says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance and upon you give you peace. Uh, a lot of other versions say, the Lord turn his face upon you. Read the Old Testament and pay attention to how many times it says, lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Pay attention to how many times it talks about joy is the presence of God. You, you can make a real correlation. I studied the Greek this week a little bit. You can make a real correlation to the, to the fact, to the word joy and the idea of God's gaze. They are always connected in scripture. When we look in his eyes, when we see him face to face, 1 Corinthians says we see him with unveiled faces. Right? The scriptures talk about when people in the Old Testament had this interaction with God, they walked away with a holy glow. Right? There was something that shifted and transformed in them because they were in the presence of God. Even the disciples, people said of the disciples, we could tell that you had been with Jesus. Because there's something that changes when we gaze upon God, when we look at him face to face, when we attach to him, when we connect to him. It's hardwired in our brains that we learn to develop by gazing and looking on our creators. Can I just suggest the reason why is because that's how we were intended to react with God. 
And when we become a people who pray and our prayers are, Lord, I need you to do this, 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 this. And we just name the stuff we need him to get done for us. Or we just name the stuff that's hard for us. Or we just come and we just ask requests. Or we just forgive. But we never actually lovingly attach to him. It's no wonder that we're disconnected to each other. How can we connect to each other if we can't connect with God? How can we look each other in the eye when we're not gazing upon the eyes of Jesus? And so one of my greatest fears is that we teach prayer without attachment. When it seems the whole goal of prayer is that I see God. Like when we pray, we pray looking for our Father. It's the way we start. It's interesting, the two prayers that we're taught to pray in Scripture start with our Father and look in his eyes. They start with this connection point. They start in these moments. And without looking to him, without looking in his eyes, I'm afraid that we're going to teach a technical version of prayer that is completely disconnected to what we're actually trying to do in prayer. And so listen, I, I think it's great that there are ways for us to learn how to pray prayers of forgiveness and how to learn to pray prayers of adoration and how to pray prayers of repentance. Uh, I, like I think all of those things, how to pray prayers of praise, all of those things are important and essential. But can I just say to you as your pastor, if we don't start the conversation of prayer gazing in the eyes of Jesus and thanking him, we're missing the point. I am so anxious most days, guys. I am so busy most days. And I'm running a million miles per hour. I've got my to-do list. I'm checking things off the list. I've got more Zoom calls than any human should ever have. I hate Zoom with all of my heart. And, <laughs> and, and, and as I go through my day, like, when I get a moment to pray, and when I get a moment to be with Jesus, I treat Jesus like my to-do list. I'm just like, all right, I got five minutes. Jesus, I need you to do this, 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 and this. And Caden's got this going on, and Claire's got this going on, and Sarah's got this going on. Be with them in this, and the church is a mess. Do this over here at the church, and help my business to grow, and do this. And I'm just throwing all this stuff out there. When I wonder how much more powerful it would be if I just stopped and said, Jesus, I want to see you today. Will you turn your eyes on me? And will you teach me to lift up my eyes to see you? So here's what I want you to do for just a minute. Bear with me. We're going to do some exercises, and this is what we're going to practice the rest of the time together. Um, I want you to think back to a moment where you felt incredibly grateful and you felt incredibly close to God where you just felt like God's presence was overwhelming. You have to close your eyes. Close your eyes for a second. Think back to a moment when you just experienced God's goodness, and you were so grateful, you were so thankful, and you felt like God's presence was with you, and all was right in the world. Think about that moment for a second. Put yourself back there for just a few seconds. you think God wants to remind you about that moment? What do you think he wants to bring to your attention? 
What does he want to teach you? Anthony DeMaio said this. He said, we need to learn to behold God beholding us and smiling. The greatest task of prayer is to see God seeing you smiling. I love this. Like, think of this for a second. The picture of turning our eyes onto Jesus, the looking at him, the focusing in him, the beholding him, him beholding you and looking back. This is how we form attachment to God. So take a minute. I want you to bear with me. And I know, listen, there are people in this room right now, there are men especially in this room who are like, this is a touchy-feely thing. I am not a feeler. Ben is trying to get me to cry. I don't want to do this. I'm not going to do this. Right? Here's what I want to remind you. What is the greatest commandment? Love. Love the Lord your God. That's the greatest commandment. That's the most important commandment. The most important thing that we're supposed to do is love. And for some of us, that's a hard task. It's a difficult task. But here's the task. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody in the room, close your eyes. And I I want you to just take a minute. And I want you to think of Jesus' face. I want you to picture him picturing you and smiling. And I want you to ask him the question, Jesus, what do you love about me? attention to what you hear and it may feel like was that my mind was I just thinking or was that God was that the Holy Spirit breaking through or was that just some kind of weird thing that happened in that moment I try and start a lot of my prayer times with exercises like the two we just did like how do I start prayer gazing upon him because I think what we've taught is we've taught people to pray with their left brain. Our left brain accesses our speech and our strategy and our problem solving and our logic. When our right brain teaches us emotional attachment, relational connection, intuition. John 4, Jesus said, God is spirit and we must worship him in both spirit and truth. I think we've taught the church to worship him and to pray in truth. But I wonder how much we've taught and trained and exercised worshiping him in spirit. And so my prayer this week has been that we could, as a community, connect with God in spirit. That we could figure out a way to kind of turn our eyes towards him. To just take a Sunday, maybe two Sundays in a row. And just look at him. Don't look at me as a teacher. Don't look at the Bible as like, we got to go through the Bible. We got to learn a bunch of stuff today. We got to logic our way to figure out prayer. We got to figure all these things out. But just taking a moment and just praying and just sitting with him. I think right now in our culture, the greatest thing that we're missing is joy. The scripture tells us that joy comes in his presence. And if the church is lacking joy, the greatest thing we need to do is be faithful.
look at him face to face and pay attention to how he's working.